It's been an interesting morning so far, but it's going to be even better, right? Because we're, we're going to the Word of the Lord, and anytime you go there, I mean, good stuff's bound to happen, right? So, if you haven't noticed, the Spirit's already stirring it up. This morning, we're continuing on that theme that there is freedom. Freedom here in this place, right? And guess what? When you go home, there's freedom there in that place. When you go in your car, when you go to work, when you go to school, wherever you're at, there's freedom in that place because guess what? You're bringing it. You're carrying the Spirit of the Lord. So wherever you go, there's freedom. And last time I checked his word, Isaiah 61 prophesied that Jesus was going to do it. And then Jesus said, you're going to do it. You're going to be anointed to set the captives free, right? Hey, I got to ask, has anybody ever here been set free from something, from an addiction, from something that they could never do on their own? Look at this. Yeah, so you know what I'm talking about, right? There is freedom in the Lord. In fact, Jesus said this. He said, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Freedom. A freedom that nothing can steal away from you. Nothing can take. There is a freedom that we can receive and experience through Christ that is unlike any other freedom that exists here on this world, here on this earth. It is a freedom that is nearly indescribable. I mean, you just have to kind of experience it. I can't even really explain it to you and, and tell you about it. You just, you have to experience it and then you know what it is. It is a freedom that Jesus did not take lightly. He paid a high, high price to set us, these captives, free from our sin, right? I mean, he left it all. We talked about this morning. He left the kingdom of heaven. King of kings, Lord of lords. And he's like, I'm going to be like you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this thing right. Nobody has gotten it right, so I'm going to do it right. He wrapped himself in flesh. He lived as God and man simultaneously. He was tempted and weak in every way that we are, yet never once did he cave into it. He was victorious every single time. Then he paid the price on the cross, right? He paid the debt that we owed. He took on the curse so we can be blessed. He took on death so that we can live an abundant, full, free life. Then, of course, we know that he gave us freedom, not only over the weakness of this flesh and our sin, he gave us freedom even over death, right? He is alive. He rose again. That not even death can hold you down. We're without excuse. I've got no excuse because Jesus has given me everything. The keys to the kingdom, they're mine, right? Every resource of his kingdom is accessible by me. It's just amazing to think about. We've got freedom to explore the fullness of our salvation and of his kingdom. It's so amazing to think about. In fact, this freedom, nothing can take away from you. I was just reading this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, um, and, and Paul said this thing that really messes with your head and it really kind of irritates you until you've experienced the freedom of the Lord. And he, he gave a rule to all the churches that whatever circumstance you found yourself in, you stay in. In fact, he was even saying this to slaves, to their masters, that if you were a slave, you know, whenever, um, whenever you were saved, whenever Jesus found you and saved you, stay in that place. Unless your freedom's available, you know, then, then take it. But, but stay in that place. Because there's a reason that Jesus saved you. And yes, it's because he loves you and cares about you. But he saved you specifically for a greater purpose. He also wants to save the people around you, right? So he wants you to be a witness. 
He wants you to set the captives free. It's no coincidence you were where you were when Christ found you. He found you there for a purpose, to set the rest of the people free, right? And so he admonished you know, people who are in slavery to just be the best slave. Like, be a, a witness and serve them with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, right? Colossians chapter 3. Serve them with all your heart, everything you got. Because you're not serving that person, you're serving Jesus, right? You're serving Jesus. Just amazing to think about. And it's kind of contradictory, but it's not once you've experienced it. That you can be free and be a slave. It just, it just, it's a paradox, you know, it really is. It's, it's, it's this and that. It's not this or that, it's you're both. You're set free, and yet you're still in captivity. But you're a free person, and until you, you know the freedom of the Lord, you, you can't really, you know, understand it. So I'll move on, instead of trying to explain it for an hour, right? All right, so, when Jesus rose again, all power, all authority was given to him. And then guess what he said? He's like, hey, church! I got something good for you. Here it is. You are now my physical presence here on the earth. You walk in the power and the authority that I have. It's yours. Go do it. Do all the things that I did and even greater things. Right? That's what Jesus said. You'll do even greater things just because you believe in him. And, and we need to get that in our head. I know that, you know, it was revealed to me recently. I really need to get this into my head. You can do all these things. Not because you live a sin-free life. Not because you've done anything right. You can do all these things because you are a child of God. It's not because of what you've done. It's because of who you are and what Jesus has done to make that possible. I've been adopted into the family. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. I'm royalty. I've got the signet ring on my finger, full access to the kingdom because of what Jesus did. And I've just received it. By faith, I've just said, Jesus, save me. You know, forgive me. Now I have access to all of that stuff. It's just amazing to think about. We've been empowered to rise above the weaknesses and temptations the same way Jesus did. Because we've got the same power accessible to us, the Holy Spirit, right? Remember John 3, 3, when he was water baptized, the Spirit descended on him like a dove, you know? That's when he started his ministry, when the Spirit filled him. Then he had power, authority to go into, to, uh, you know, kick in the teeth of the devil, Right? We've been given authority to destroy every work of the devil. Not, not to hide from, you know, all the demons and, and, you know, not to walk around trying to avoid the traps and snares, which you should do. But we've been given authority to be like, oh, that, that trap again, Satan? That snare? You've got the authority to walk around it. But you've got, you got the authority. You've got the power to demolish that trap of the devil so it can never touch you again. Every weapon formed against you won't prosper. When he goes to fire that bullet, it does nothing. Because it's lost its power. It's like you just, poof, there goes the powder, you know. Nothing. Nothing on you. You can demolish the work of the devil. Jesus has set us free indeed. And here's the complicated part. The complicated part is always us. God and his kingdom, it's so simple. It's so easy right? Just receive it. That's really, the, that's really our role in the kingdom. But man, do we complicate things. We are free if we choose to be free. In Galatians chapter 5 verses 1, and I'm going to jump ahead to 13 and 16 just for fun and for time's sake, skip the in-between. It's all good. Go read Galatians chapter 5. Very, very good chapter. But what Paul does to the Galatian church is he lays out into us this morning this conflict that's in play. You've been set free, but we're still living in this flesh last time I checked, right? 
I still got weaknesses. I still got temptations. I still got to live this life until he calls me home and gets rid of this thing and I get a new glorious body. Then I don't have to worry about it. But while I'm here, I've been set free and yet I'm still trying to figure out how to walk it out. It's like he, he unlocked the, key, the, the door to your jail cell. You've been set free, but you got to walk it out, right? Man, is it complicated walking this freedom out, isn't it? He says here, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It's for freedom, for freedom's sake. He sets you free for no other reason. Just that you can be free and you can set other people free. It's all about freedom. It ain't about you, it's about him. Freedom. It's for freedom Christ has set us free. So stand firm then. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You can set a slave free and they can still choose to serve that master. They can still choose to be a slave. And that's our reality. We've been set free from sin and death and temptation, but we can still choose to put those shackles back on and to lock it up, can't we? Freedom simply gives us a choice. That's what freedom does. Freedom gives you a choice. And so he said, you, my brothers and sisters, you were called to be free. Jesus called this morning. Hey, over here, there's freedom. Come on, let's go. Follow me. You know, spirit lead me, follow me. There's freedom here. He's calling us to be free. But we got to be careful here. We're not supposed to use our freedom to indulge the flesh. You've been set free from that thing. Why are you serving it again, right? Don't indulge in the flesh. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another humbly in love. I've been set free not for me, but for you, right? I've been set free so I can humbly serve people in love. And he went on, he said this in verse 14, the entire law, everything God expects, it's fulfilled in one command. Whew, that's pretty bold. Jesus summed it up in two. Right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength in your mind, you know. And then he said, love others, you love yourself. Paul's like, well, I'm going to sum it up even more. Love other people, right? He said, love your neighbor as yourself. Because really, that's an expression of loving God. I uh, can't love my neighbor if I don't love God. And he warned them in verse 15, if you keep biting and devouring each other, watch out. Because you're going to be destroyed by each other. Lord's given you a sword. The word of the Lord, right? Sword of the Spirit. You can use it to destroy the work of the devil, or it's a sword. I can use it to cut your head off because I don't like you, you know, and you irritated me. You got to be so careful, so careful with the weapons we've been given. They are destructive. They're intended to destroy the work of the devil, not to destroy each other. You've got to be so careful in that. Then he goes on and he says in verse 16, So I say, so here's the summary in all of Galatians 5. Walk in the Spirit, and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. It's really that simple. Walk in the Spirit. You, you can do one or the other. You can't have and in here. This is one or the other. And here's the complicated part. You know, we were born in, in this flesh, in this um, sin. In fact, Psalm 51, verse 5 through 6 says this, and there's many other scriptures, but surely I was sinful at birth. I was sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Before you even made a decision, you were born into sin. So if anybody ever argues with that and says, people are good. I believe most people are good, right? God says something different. Man, people are sinful from the time you're conceived. You were born into sin. Yet you, God, desired faithfulness even in the womb. And you taught me wisdom in that secret place. Because you see, that's the good thing about God. 
He's never going to expect something of you that he's not going to help you accomplish, that you're not able to do. That would be just a cruel father to say, you do this. And either you don't have the ability to do it or you don't have the resources to do it. But he's telling you to do it anyways. He's setting you up for failure. No, our, our Heavenly Father is a good, good Father. He's awesome. If he asks you to do something, you're first of all able to do it. And second of all, he's going to resource you to do it. You just got to walk it out, right? So initially in life, when we're born, that's all that we know. Our lives are controlled by our will, by our desires, by our opinions, by our feelings, right? We just sang that in that last song. You know, I, I don't want to follow my feelings anymore. I'm done chasing feelings. I want to be led by the Spirit. Man, there's nothing wrong with your feelings, but they can lead you astray sometimes, right? You know, you made me mad and I want to punch you in the face, you know? <laughs> you know, you stole from me, I want to steal from you, right? We want eye for eye, tooth for a tooth, you know? Jesus showed us a better way, a much better way, a way of freedom. See, we think that freedom is being able to do whatever we want, any way we want, however we want, anytime we want, and to have no consequences. We define freedom as that. If you don't believe me, just Google it. This is what Google says freedom is defined as. The power or the right to act, speak, or think as one wants to without hindrance or restraint. That is how Google the world defines freedom. I'll do whatever I want. I'll think whatever I want. I'm feeling this way. I'm just going to do it. No restraint. No hindrance. That's freedom. Last time I checked, that's, that's, just think about it this way. We were born into sin. And this is the way they define it. So take about a dozen or so toddlers. Toddlers, if, you don't, if you've never had a child, they are tiny human beings. And, and they act, speak, and think without any hindrance, without any restraint. You know, my little nephew, he's like four now. You know, he'll go up to someone at Walmart and be like, your butt's big. No hindrance, no restraint. They just think, act. They, that's what they do. They act, think, and speak however they want. No hindrance, no restraint. Take a dozen toddlers, those tiny humans, put them in a room, and just toss a couple, just a couple, snacks and toys in there. They're all going to act, speak, and think exactly how they want with no hindrance and no restraint. And you tell me if that's a place of freedom. Tell me if you're singing, man, freedom reigns in that place. Heck no, that's chaos. That is not freedom. There's probably one little kid cowering in the corner because he started getting hit and punched and screamed at, you know. That kid's not free. Neither is the big bully who's kicking and shouting at everybody, you know. There's no freedom in that place. But that's literally what the world defines freedom as. You were born doing that. You, you, don't, need, you don't need set free to do that. You were born doing that thing, right? That's not freedom. This, this train of thought, anyone can do that. They can act, speak, or think without restraint. And believing the lie that there's no consequences, it's not going to change the fact. There's consequences, right? In fact, living a life this way, this is not a path of freedom. This is, this is a path to jail. <laughs> this is a path to jail. You don't want to go down that path, right? No, it's not a path of freedom. Gratifying all the desires of our flesh, just doing what we want without restraint or hindrance, it makes you a slave to your flesh. A slave, not a freed person. Flesh becomes our master, not freedom. In fact, because... Peter's taught this. People are slaves to whatever has mastered them. 
we're all slaves to something. I know it's not politically correct to say this, but it's just the darn truth, right? You're a slave to whatever has mastered you, and usually it's whatever you choose to submit to. Usually that's the case, you know, especially in, in the good old United States of America here, right? You are a free people if you choose to be, but man, do we make ourselves slaves to so many things, don't we? Paul teaches us that if we walk in the Spirit, we won't gratify the desires of our flesh. He said there's a better way than just doing what you want, however you want, whenever you want, however you feel, just do it, you know? He said, walk in the Spirit. Because through Christ alone, the empowerment and the leading of the Holy Spirit, through that alone, we're finally set free from the bondage of this flesh. You know, sometimes I get irritated with Christians whenever they have expectations that people will act like a Christian when they haven't been saved yet. You don't act like a Christian to become a Christian. You come to Jesus and say, man, I'm a mess. (laughs) Here I am. Like, take me and have your way. That's salvation, you know. Salvation begins when we're honest with ourselves and we just offer up all that we are. That's the path of freedom. That's when we can be set free because they don't have a choice. You know, attend some of these these addiction recovery groups. People who, who, who don't have a relationship with Christ, who are trying desperately to get free. They want freedom. They just can't get it because you can't do it on your own. We're slaves to this flesh. And no matter what you do, you're going to be a slave to this flesh because there's only one path to freedom. And his name is Jesus. The only way that you get unlocked from this key of this flesh and you can finally have a choice in the matter. I don't have to do that. I don't want to do it and I'm not going to do it. Finally, you have a choice and you are empowered to walk it out. You may have chosen to be free before, but you didn't have the power to walk it out. You're doing it on your own. And it was your own self that was tripping you up in the first place, right? Your slave can't be your, I mean, your master can't be your freer, right? It just doesn't work that way. Because this thing wants to keep you bound. It doesn't want to set you free. So you can't do it on your own. You need Jesus. You need him. He's the only way. The way, the truth, the life, right? And so this interesting thing happened back in the very beginning. There was a fight for freedom. And most of us... I'm sorry, yeah, I'm kind of going to be all over the place here this morning. There was a, a fight for freedom in the very beginning. And most of us think back to, oh yeah, Adam and Eve, you know. Adam and Eve, that was the fight for freedom, and they cave in and they sinned. Well, I want to focus this morning, um, just for a second, on the next generation, right? Because that was my favorite Star Trek, you know. It's the next generation. God, anyways, forget Kirk. Um, <laughs> but let's take a look this morning at the second generation, really the first children. I think it's interesting to read this encounter between Cain, who is the first person ever born, the first belly button, right? He's the first person ever born. And, um, and his brother Abel, who was the second person ever born, according to you know, the, the record that we find in Genesis, and God, this encounter that happened between them. Um, God spoke with Cain because Cain was really downcast. He was just bummed out. He was ticked off, he's angry, like most of us walk around most of the time, you know, being honest with ourselves here. And so God caused this to happen, because he favored Abel's offering more than Cain's. 
he, God's just not a vegetarian. He, he liked meat, you know. I mean, it's, it's what he requires, to be honest. But anyways, you know. And, uh, and Cain decided to bring some fruits and veggies instead. And God just favored. Didn't say he rejected his offering. I've preached that before. It's not true. He didn't reject it. He just favored it. He's like, I like this more, you know. Like everyone has their favorite child, right? Just look, looking to see who looked at who, you know. See who the favorite was. And this caused Cain... Rightfully so. This caused Cain rightfully so to be downcast and to be angry. In fact, his anger was boiling so much that he decided, I'm going to kill my brother. Like, like, dude, who else? Anyways, like, they're, they're the only ones on the face of the earth. I'm going to kill you. Like, just a bad, bad decision. Not, not a good idea. And so God came to Cain in his anger, in his sin, in his anger. God literally visited Cain and he said this. He said, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you just do what's right, will you not be accepted? But if you don't do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. Now, I was always taught that doing what is wrong is sin. So this will mess with your theology, but let it mess with your theology. <laughs> right? In fact, in your anger, do not sin. Right? That's the New Testament teaching from James, I believe. Um, so God came to Cain and he said this, if you do what's wrong, and he brought the wrong offering, sin is crouching at your door. Like, I love the way God personifies sin so that Cain could get it and understand it. He, he said that, um, that sin is crouching at your door and it desires to have you, but you must rule over it. So what's going to happen here? You got two choices. Either sin's going to rule you, or you're going to rule it. There ain't no fence to walk on in this matter. There's no paradox, there's no fence. Either you rule over your sin, or sin's going to rule over you. And I love, take it in a practical sense, Dave Ramsey teaches that either you tell your money where to go, or it's going to tell you where to go, right? <laughs> right? Because debt is slavery, right? And really it's a reality. So those are our choices. And so God comes to Cain and he tells him this. You've got to rule over this thing. It wants to have you, but don't let it happen. And God's speaking to us this morning. I set you free, but you've got to walk in freedom. Don't let this thing have mastery over you anymore. Stop choosing to be a slave to it. Putting that yoke of slavery back on. Um, but it was a battle in the very beginning, back in Genesis. And then Paul essentially reiterated this encouraging word of warning that God did to Cain here when he said, it is for freedom Christ is free, stand firm, and don't let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. He's saying you got a choice. This thing wants to rule over you, but you got to get a reign over it, because that's where our freedom lies. We stand firm. We rise above. We rule and we reign in life. We are slaves to nobody, right? Freedom. We walk in freedom. We cast off that yoke of slavery that the flesh keeps trying to place back on us because through the Holy Spirit, we can reign over sin. We can take that way out of temptation. You know, the Word of God says, and I think it's 1 Corinthians 10, that God is faithful. He will never let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. He's faithful. He will always make a way out. You can tell how much I struggle with sin in my life. I've got to memorize that thing, you know, because, man, I got tripped up in some stuff. And, okay, God, you're faithful. There's a way out of this. Show me it. And usually I know it. I just don't want to do it because sin's fun, you know, for a moment, right? But he's faithful. He'll make a way out, and he will always make sure you never get tempted beyond what you can bear. So you're always without excuse, right? 
But man, do we love excuses. I can excuse away every sin that I ever fall into. You know, it's never my fault. It's always someone else's fault. Is it, maybe I'm the only one this morning it's, that can do that, but maybe it's a talent, a skill that, that I need to get rid of because it, it didn't come from the kingdom, not the kingdom of light at least. But through the Holy Spirit, we don't have to wander around downcast and bitter in life. You don't have to be bitter anymore and downcast. You can have joy. You can have peace. You can rule and reign. You've got control of your life. You choose your destiny. We've got freedom, freedom over these things. Jesus explained this to Nicodemus in this way. And Nicodemus, he was a, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He was a teacher himself. I mean, he, he, he knew the word of God and he taught it and he, everything. But Jesus came to him and he said this really weird, bizarre thing to him. We learned earlier that we were all born into sin, right? And so the solution is, we've got to be born again. <laughs> and that's what Jesus taught. He, Jesus said, very truly, I tell you, no one can even enter the kingdom of God Unless they're born of both water and the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit. A new birth, a new regeneration through the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, flesh gives birth to flesh, right? I got a chunk of my flesh sitting right there this morning. Hi. The rest of them are rolling around in the mud somewhere. Um, <laughs> right? Flesh gives birth to flesh, but Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You're being made new. A new creation through the Holy Spirit, Right? And he goes on and he teaches, he said, you shouldn't be surprised at me even saying that you must be born again. Th think about this. The wind blows in verse 8, wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going off to. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. The reality is you can't see the wind, but you can see the effects of the wind. I can look out and see if the leaves are rustling around, you know, and know whether the wind's blowing and which direction it's coming from and going, you know, I don't know where it's going to end up or where it came from, but it's blowing that way. Um, you, can hear the wind, you can't hear the wind, but you can hear the effects of the wind as it presses against another object, right? Um, you can't really see the wind, but you can feel and you can experience it. And th this is the hard thing about being a spirit-filled believer, you know, because it's hard to explain. It's a spiritual thing that's understood by spiritual minds. And if you haven't been born again, you ain't got the Holy Spirit to really help you to understand it. But we, but so Jesus gave him this, this understanding using the analogy of the wind, that the Holy Spirit's like the wind. You can't really see it, but you can feel it. You can experience it. And just like the wind, oh yeah, <laughs> it's, it's calm like a mighty rushing wind. But, let me tell you this, just like you can see and hear the effects of the wind, people ought to see and hear you and see evidence of the Holy Spirit, right? As the Spirit's moving in and through your life, they ought to be able to see and hear the effects of it. That you're not who you used to be. You're being born again, right? Every day, a, a better creation than I was yesterday. Through Christ, we're free to choose. We're free to choose freedom. We can choose life. We can choose blessing. We can choose to embrace and to fulfill God's plans and purposes for our lives. We are free to choose what we use our lives for. We can choose. In fact, Paul wrote this again in Romans chapter 6. He said, don't offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness. Paul's saying, don't do it, right? Just literally don't do it. Don't offer any part of your body as a sin, uh, to sin as an instrument of wickedness. Rather, offer yourselves fully to God 
as those who have been brought from death to life. Some translations say cross over from death to life. Not song? All right, my, my Christian hip-hop fans will hear me there. Um, cross movement. <laughs> That's the scripture they're referring to. You've crossed over from death to life. So he said, offer every part of yourself to Jesus as an instrument of righteousness. Sin should no longer be your master because you're not under the law anymore. You're under grace. Romans chapter 6. So what then shall I say? Should, sin, should we continue to sin because we're not under the law but we're under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourself to anything... As an obedient slave, you become a slave to the thing you're obeying. Whether you're slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. You choose. It's your body. You've been set free. But you were bought with a price, weren't you? Your body's not your own anymore. You're allowed to do anything you want with it, but it ain't yours. I can go jump out in one of those cars right now and take off, and I can do whatever I want with it. Does that mean that it's my car? Not necessarily. You're not your own, but you're still free. Because true freedom of Christ is a freedom to choose. If he took away, and I've asked him to do it and he won't do it. If he takes away your free will, your ability to choose, then you're a slave. You're not free, right? So we got to choose to walk in freedom. It's just an interesting paradox, an interesting paradigm. And then he goes on, he says, But thanks be to God, in verse 17, that though we once were slaves to sin, we have come to obey in our hearts the pattern of teaching that now we claim our allegiance to. We have been set free from sin. Set free from sin. You see, often the reason, the reason we're not experiencing true freedom in life that Jesus has given us is because often we don't know that we're slaves. You don't know what you don't know, right? You don't know you're a slave to something. I, I, think of this analogy. A dog who's chained up. I mean, look at that gold chain bling. But a dog that's chained up, he doesn't really know he's a slave to that chain until what does he try to do? He tries to exceed the length of that chain. Then all of a sudden it's... You know, then all of a sudden, there's this worn out path where you know exactly how long that chain is. But that dog, if he stays inside the safe comfort zone, and that's what the enemy wants to do, stay in your comfort zone where it's safe, right? You'll never know that it's slavery. Not until you try to go beyond it. Then all of a sudden, you're like, whoa, wait a second. Something's got a hold of me here. This ain't good at all. I'm not free. I'm a slave, right? If we claim to be a Christian, if we claim to be a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Christ, whatever label you want to give it, but if we are that, but we continue to walk in the freedom of the world where I just obey this flesh and do whatever I want to do, whenever I want to do it, how I want to do it, nothing's really changed for us. We're, we're no different than we were before. Think about this. I don't realize that I'm enslaved by, well, whatever it is, like, you know, by this thing, right? I don't realize I'm enslaved by my phone until you're gone all day and you forgot it at home in the morning. How many times do you reach for that thing? How many times do you think you feel it vibrate and it ain't there? How many times do you go to look up something, you know? 
Think about it. How many times you go to check social media and you just scroll, 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 scroll and heart, heart and whatever everyone does these days. I don't know anymore. Then you realize, hmm, maybe that thing's got a hold on me. Maybe, maybe there's a degree of slavery here. I'm not, I'm not free from it. You know, I just got to have it. I don't realize I'm enslaved to food until I try to fast. Whew. You know, then, man, you get gra- it changes who you are, right? It has control over you. Control over you. If all of a sudden you're just like, anger, bitter, you know, you change into a different person, you know, like I, I, I like Lord of the Rings, you know, like Spiegel, you know, like my precious, you know, you're like a completely different person, but you don't have it. There might be a, a little bit of a hold over you, right? You know, I don't realize I'm enslaved by the opinions of others until they don't agree with me. And then it just consumes my thoughts. Well, why don't they like me? What did I do wrong? Why, blah, 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 you know. We, we can be enslaved by so many things. What did Peter teach? You're a slave to whatever you choose to obey. Whatever defines who you are, how you act, how you think, how you speak, whatever that may be, no matter how, many good it may, how much good it may be otherwise, it's got mastery over you. You're not a free person. You're a slave to it. And right here, right now this morning, every single one of us, myself included, is a slave to something. You know, we've given it control of our lives to a degree. Jesus wants you to be a free people, walking in complete freedom. Freedom. If you're wondering if something has mastery over you beyond its reach, just try doing that. Try fasting. Just try fasting it. And you'll, you'll recognize really quickly whether, whatever, I'm the same person, I don't even think about it, you know? Whether it has no mastery over you or whether it's got control over you. It's an awesome tool that God gave us, fasting. It's not just about food. You can fast anything. Try giving it up. Try going beyond the length of that chain and see if it's got a hold of you or whether you're walking around with your tongue hanging out a free dog, you know? Check and see. Check and see what hold it has on you. There's no need to feel guilty. There's no need to feel ashamed about that thing. Whenever it's revealed, all we have to do, and I'm going to end on this here, is just, just admit the truth. You know, I'm, I'm not free in this area. And Jesus, I need you. I need you to help me to walk in the Spirit, to walk in freedom in this area of my life. Because he wants to set you free indeed, so that every area of your life is free. Consider this encounter that Jesus had with the Jews. These Jews believed in him the same way that we believe in him now. And he said this in John chapter 8, verses 31 to 36. It says, to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, then you're my disciples. Right? Pretty simple. If you obey his teaching, if you submit to it, then you're his disciples. Then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We all know that. We've all quoted it, right? Probably have it somewhere on a cute little painting on your house. And if not, see Kim. She'll make you up something, you know, pretty to put in your house. You know, the truth will set you free. There's freedom in truth. They answered him. Well, this just ticked them right off. This offended them. They're like, we're Abraham's descendants. We've never been slaves of anybody. How can you say that we shall be set free? We ain't slaves. What are you talking about freedom? Come on, fool. Like, come on. This is, no, no, no. I'm I'm Abraham's descendant. I'm a Jew. I'm not a slave to anyone or anything, right? I'm not going to re-preach it, but remember last week? Where's your freedom coming from? What they thought was setting them free, their national identity as a Jew, right? As a Hebrew. They said they were completely free because of that. And Jesus is like, actually, actually, that's your slavery. Got to be careful not to get these things mixed up, right? 
Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. A slave has no permanent place in the family. Ooh, can you imagine how this, this did not cool down this fire of offense? But they needed to be offended because they were believing a lie. They believed their freedom came from being a child of Abraham. Because Father Abraham had many sons, and I'm one of them, and so are you, right? But it ain't enough just to be a child of God. You've got to walk and act and think and talk like you're a child of God. Right? You've got to cast off the old and embrace the new. Crucify the flesh and come alive in Christ. So Jesus said that everyone who sins is a slave to sin... A slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son, and this is capital S, speaking of himself, if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. You see, freedom begins with an understanding that we are enslaved. A sick person, they don't need healed if they don't admit that they're sick, right? That they're diseased. A poor person, they don't need a thing if they don't admit that they're in poverty, an enslaved person doesn't need freedom if, they don't, if they're not aware of their slavery. If they've never tried to go beyond that chain and they just don't know any better, they're not going to seek out freedom. They think they're okay. They've been deceived. They've bought the lie. Hook, link, hook, line, and sinker, right? Freedom begins with truth. Jesus said the truth sets you free. Sometimes we need that revelation, acknowledging the truth that we're enslaved by something or someone. It's the first step on the path to freedom. The path to freedom. These people, they thought their civil freedom enabled them to walk in the promises and the salvation and the fullness of God. And Jesus said, no, 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 it's only those whom the Son has set free. Those are the ones who are free indeed. So this morning, let's, let's begin or continue on our path to freedom. Let's be bold and brave enough to ask Jesus to show us if there's any area of slavery in our lives. Jesus, show us if there is anything that has mastery over us. And Jesus, we're just going to hand that thing over to you. We want to be free indeed. And we know the freedom is found in you, the Son alone. We can only be a freed people when we offer you up all that we are. All that we think, all that we speak, all that we act. If we hand over every part of our lives to you, that's the only way we can be set free. And we thank you, Jesus, for not controlling us and making us slaves. That you give us freedom to choose to follow you, to walk in the Spirit, to walk in freedom, or whether to walk according to the desires of our flesh. You give us a freedom. Because Jesus, because you gave us that freedom, there's a blessing. There's a blessing when we choose to obey and we choose to walk in your ways. So Jesus, this morning, your will, your way, always in our lives. Amen.